Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. And today we are going to help you bust through plateaus. Uh, We're going to be going over some training methods, so I'm excited for this one. Before we dive into it, few things real quick. Uh, if you're new here, thank you for being here. We appreciate you tuning in. We hope you like the podcast. If you do, leave us a, a five-star rating review and share it with a friend. If you've been here before and you haven't left a review, it's about damn time you do so because you're returning for a reason. So help us out. Leave a review. Share it with a friend. Uh, we want to keep spreading this podcast. Um, there are a few things that I'm going to dive into today that are uh, I have touched on in the blog, so I highly encourage everybody to go over to tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash blog. There is tons of articles. Um, in a couple of these specific things, I've actually written entire blogs on, um, and then a, a few of them are included in some different blogs on training and programming and um, stuff like that. So uh, definitely go check out that because there's tons of content there, and that's all relative to what we're going to dive into today. But um, the point of today's podcast is honestly really just dive into some fun programming shit. Yeah. We got uh, seven points that we are going to, when I say we, I mean Cody, is going to elaborate on uh, seven different ways on to spark new gains in the gym. So to break through those plateaus when you are seeing plateaus. Yeah. And <laughs> you are stuck and not making progress. Um, and honestly, too, just have fun. Like I think something a lot of people forget is how important like the mental stimulation is of training. Part of the reason why we get so excited when we start a new program is because it's new. Yep. Right. So if you're not throwing things in like this, it's important that you do it. I even think that to, to provide some context here, I think that there's like, there's the evidence-based crowd. And then there's like this like grungy strength training crowd. And I think that so many people separate the two groups when there's actually a lot of people who do live in the middle. And I think those are the best coaches you can find a lot of similarities and understand we use the, the evidence. I'm in the middle. Obviously we use that science. We use the evidence-based stuff, but we also have had enough time and experience in the gym, in the trenches, coaching people that we understand that you can't just follow those principles or not all science is in, in research studies are relative to the individual you're working with. That's averages, not individuals. Totally. So some of these are good examples of that because one thing I won't say in this podcast at all is straight sets. So like four sets of eight and just progressively overload over time, even though that is probably the most scientifically proven and sound method that you could use, mm. right? Using a eight to 10 rep range for hypertrophy, using a three to five rep range for strength and just slowly over time, add load, keep the same exercise, just get better and better at it. Keep slowly adding load and progressing over time. It's boring as fuck. Yeah. I mean, it just sounds stale, but it does work. Stagnant. <laughs> and most of the time, that's what your training should do. And, and most research shows that that is more effective than most other things. Supersets, giant sets, drop sets, myo reps, rest pause, all these cool things, some of which I'll talk about today, some of which I won't. Um, but the reality is at a certain point in time, the reason you're not progressing further is because boredom settles in and you're not motivated enough to push yourself harder and effort and intensiveness is the key driver for results in the gym, period. So if you're not having fun, if you're not challenging yourself, if you're not mentally stimulating yourself in the gym and being able to get so excited, motivated, and amped up to train, you're going to have trouble progressing forward. So sometimes it's just changing things just to change things. But I do think that there's a method to it, right? So you shouldn't just like... There's seven things we're going to talk about today. Don't take your your bench press 
starting this week and every week use a different method so that you have seven weeks of variety, you're probably not going to get very far. Like it'll be really fun, but I'd encourage you to stick with each one of these methods for a few weeks, you know, and then progress the next one or take one of the methods and progress it week by week by week. And you could do it for months on end until you use the next one. Right. So, and I can explain a, a good example of that, but, um, but yeah, so seven methods, you could use these to break through plateaus or just uh, spice yeah. things up, spark new gains, and, and I promise you, you will challenge the shit out of yourself with these. So what do we got for the first one? We got, the first one is cluster sets. So this is one I actually did write a blog on recently. Yep. Um, been around for a long time, one of my favorite methods. I highly encourage you to read the blog. Uh, I wrote it, I just actually checked before we jumped on here, and uh, I wrote it seven days ago, so a week from today as we're recording this. And it's already on uh, page three for Google. Mind you, there's millions of pages on Google. So yeah. I did well with the SEO on that one. <laughs> um, so I was excited about that. But um, it's it's called the Complete Guide to Cluster Training, I think, or something like that. What, why, how? Um, but I go really in-depth. I mean, extremely in-depth. I use examples. There's a video in there. There's a table breaking down how to program. So go check that out for a more in-depth answer. But um, cluster training is essentially a way to... Um, so a cluster set looks like this. So you might see on a program three, like if you see three times five, that basically means three sets of five, right? With a cluster, you might see three times three times three, right? And usually I put the three times three in parentheses. So it'd be three times parentheses, three times three parentheses. Um, so that means you're doing three sets of three sets of three which can be confusing, mm. but the three sets of three on the, the second side is the cluster. It's a mini side. So you can do three times six times one. You can do three times three by five. You can do three times four by two. Like there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, but you essentially have a, a certain amount of rounds and you have a cluster. So the cluster itself, if we're doing the three by three uh, example, which is one of the more popular clusters, um, is a good strength cluster. And I would consider it more, it's a good power building cluster too, because Technically, you do nine reps per set, but you're breaking it up into three mini sets of three. So what we do here is we go three reps, take a 10 to 20 second break, three reps, take a 10 to 20 second break, three reps. Now I'm going to take two, three, four minutes, five minutes until I return to the top and do it again. So if I have three times three times three, I go three sets of three with those 10 to 20 second breaks, so very short rest periods in between. I usually recommend to people count to 10 slowly, and then start preparing for the lift. Because if, if I count to 10 slowly, like for example, on a bench press, if I rack it, shake my arms, I count to 10, and I lay back down, I grip the bar, I grab tension, I lift it off the rack, I take a deep breath, it's about 20 seconds by then. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but when I do that three by three with those 10 to 20 second breaks, what I'm doing is I'm actually accomplishing nine reps, right? But I'm doing it with a weight that is much heavier than I would normally do for nine reps. So for example, on a bench press, my max nine rep max is probably about 225. So I could do nine reps at 225, but I can do three reps technically with 275. So let's say I go to 250, 265. I do three reps, rack it, three reps, rack it, three reps, rack it. Yep. I'm only taking those mini breaks. So technically from a time under tension perspective, from a total volume perspective, from a density perspective, and even from a neurological perspective, I'm doing nine reps. I'm doing a higher volume approach, but I'm doing it with a much higher weight. And it's also a good way to stay safe because if I was just like, I'm going to take that 360 or 265, 275, I think I said 250, 250, 265, and just try to do as many reps as I can. Very likely that I'm going to injure myself or strain a tendon, a ligament, joint. Like it's just, that's like ballistic training. It's not as safe, right? Not as smart. 
but this allows us to do mini breaks and you can also check yourself because if I do three racket three and I barely get that three, I can just unrack it and do one more or I can be like, oh, I'm going to stop short on that cluster. I, I overestimated my, the weight I need to do, totally. you know, instead of just going for it. Um, but essentially what we're doing here is we're, we're bridging the gap between intensity and volume because a lot of times we have to separate them. So if you go do a program that's high intensity and high volume, you're asking for burnout right? Neurologically and from a muscular perspective. Usually we go, okay, we're either doing a high volume program or we're doing a high intensity program. I still think that's the case, but this is a way that you can get a little bit of both with your compound lifts. And it's a great way to break through plateaus because if I'm stuck at 275 pounds, right? For one to three reps, like maybe I'm, that's my plateau. I can go a little bit below that and do all these mini sets at sub-maximal levels, and for people listening, sub-maximal loads are going to build more strength than maximal loads, meaning if I can do 300 pounds for one rep, that's my absolute max, I will build more strength doing multiple singles with 275 because I'm within proximity of that 100% max effort, but I'm far enough away where my technique can be better and my recovery is optimal. So I'm going to build strength. The 300 for one rep, that's an actual true max. That's purely expression of strength. But if I'm not competing, no fucking point in it. Yep. So this allows us to actually build strength at those submaximal loads. Now, we can also do it from a uh, hypertrophy perspective. So if we we're going to do like a functional hypertrophy method with this, you could do two times six as a cluster. And maybe we do three or four rounds of that. So I would do six reps, racket, six more reps. But instead of taking what I would normally do for 12, I'm going to take what I would normally do for eight or nine. And now I'm, I'm accomplishing 12 reps with an eight or nine RM. So Essentially, no matter how you spin it, again, three by five, four by two, six, six by one, if you want to get good at singles, you can do six, you can do four, five, or six singles. You can even do, and this is where it gets kind of confusing, but you can even do four to six singles per cluster, meaning I'm going to do a single, drop it, single, drop it, single, drop it, and assess my fatigue, right? Drop, if, or if, racket. Or racket. Okay. If I'm doing a trap bar deadlift, for example, drop it. But if I get to my fifth uh, cluster, and I'm like, that was the last one because my form's starting to break. Just stop there. Totally. You don't need to go to six. So there's a lot of ways to do it, but essentially what we're doing is we're increasing the volume with a higher load in a safe manner. So we're able to create the neurological adaptations and the muscular skeletal adaptation, which is hypertrophy. Um, and we do it in a way that, that avoids injury. Uh, obviously, I will say this though, they're brutal. So you can't just like do them all the time and expect to... to recover fully you would reserve these for like your compound lift i've done it to where i've done it for like an upper lower split where i've done it for bench squat deadlift overhead press and i will say after a couple weeks you're burnt out so i typically recommend picking two days so like if you're stuck with or if you have an upper lower split and one day is more hypertrophy focus one day is more strength focus you have two days where you're doing strength clusters like three by threes or six by ones or whatever and then the hypertrophy days you can do clusters but you're doing the two by six with a lighter load so it's just not as fatiguing or you're just doing straight sets mm. but the point is, is you have these mini clusters and it allows us to take a higher intensity and create more volume with it which usually allows people to break through those plateaus because you're you're essentially training your nervous system and your body to handle heavier loads at a greater capacity a greater volume um and you can progress these too. So for example, you could go uh, week one, three by three clusters, week two, four by two clusters, week five, or I'm sorry, week four or three, whatever I was counting to, um, four by one or five by one. So it's basically like you're doing three times, three times three, three times four by two, three times five by one. And what I'm doing there is a typical linear progression. My volume is technically going down, intensity is going up because the reps are going down, heavier loads. Take a deload, go back to three by three. Totally. You know? Each and then, week. 
Each week. Yeah. And that's a, I mean, right there, if you include the D-Lo, that's a six-week cycle of clusters. Um, but I love clusters. Clusters have been around forever. It's one of my favorite methods, um, as you can tell. It's just so diverse, and it's a good way to bridge the gap between strength and hypertrophy. Totally. So. Love it. All right, let's move on to the second one. You have here wave loading. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Wave loading is very similar. Um, it's I, To me, I use it as a safe way to max out or get close to the max. So for example, the, what he said, three, two, one, three, two, one. Yep. So like, um, if I'm doing six total sets, which usually wave loading, you, you do have to do quite a bit of sets. Usually it's six to eight sets, which is a lot, but you'll go three reps for set one, two reps for set two, one rep for set three. And then you go back to three reps, two reps, and then finish your sixth set with one rep. That's a wave load. You could also do eight, six, four, eight, six, four. Is it the weight? fluctuating also 100% so like for example if I'm doing three two one three two one I might do three reps at 80% two reps at 85% one rep at 90% and then go back to three reps but instead of at 80% it's at 85% so now I'm doing the one I did for two for three and then the one I did for one which was 90 for two and then 95 which is as close as you should get to your max in my opinion for one on the final one so when you wave load the reps go down back up down so again three two one three two one but the percentages of one rep max fluctuate as well so they go up by the last one and the reason we do that is because again you're going heavier as you go it's like it's like a step ladder right we go uh heavier 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 little bit lighter but not all the way back heavier, 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 and we finish on the heaviest load possible. It's a good way to slowly step up to that sub-max effort. Um, you can also do, again, eight, six, four, eight, six, four. You can do um, six, three, one. You can do, I mean, you can do anything, literally. Um, technically, you could do as long as 10, eight, six, 10, eight, six. Twice. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't go beyond that, to be honest with you, because I just think that's where you start to get, um, it's just too much volume, uh, but you can do five through one, five through one. You can do seven, five, three, seven, five, three, nine, seven, five. Like usually you space the reps out by two. Um, and the point is, is that your percentage of one rep max increases as you go. You take a step back and then you increase even further. And it's just a good way. Like neuro, again, neurologically speaking, it's a good way to ramp up your weight and kind of warm up into that super heavy load at the very end. Um, and because because sometimes if, if we're like, okay, we need to get better at singles and we're just going to program six sets of one so you can get used to singles. That's great, but neurologically speaking and like just mentally speaking, sometimes it's hard for people to ramp up to that that single by just doing singles over and over and over again. This is a fun way. It's a different way, and it creates more volume in those heavier loads. And then, again, you can periodize it in a cool way where it's like maybe week one we go – Let's say nine seven five nine seven five. Week two is seven five three seven five three. Week three is five three one five three one. Deload, repeat, right? So again, it's it, you can do this this uh, linear progression, which we know is very valuable and, and proven, but we can do it in a wave loading manner. Um, wave loading and, and cluster sets are two really really good ways to break through strength plateaus, um, and or ways to continue to improve the neurological side of strength while still accomplishing hypertrophy. Like if your main goal is hypertrophy, but you love strength training or you want to get stronger or the reason you're not building muscle is because you're not getting stronger because you're just doing bodybuilding training, throw these in for your compound lift so you can spice up the neurological side of your training and it'll help you get stronger so that when you do your bodybuilding training, you're doing your bodybuilding training with heavier loads, which is going to be no more total volume and that's going to allow you to build more muscle. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's good. All right, we move on to number three. It is strength circuits. This one is 
brutal. I think I've told this story before. I did a, a program. Uh, it's one of Christian Thibodeau's programs. Um, years ago, and it worked super well, and it was a strength circuit. And then when I had Blakely, I was like, I need to have some fun with my training again. I'm going to do that. I did it back in the garage gym. And, uh, dude, my nervous system was just shot. I felt depressed, lethargic. I was, like, just out of it. Because I just had a baby. Like, there was no room for me to be doing that kind of shit. But the strength, Yeah. And the strength circuit I did, because there's, there's a few ways to do it. The one I did um, was five days. It was either four or five days a week. I think it was five days a week. And you essentially have five lifts. So it's like a, you have a squat, a hip hinge, uh, a press, a pull, and then something explosive. So I think I was doing um, trap bar deadlift, barbell bench press. Actually, yeah, trap bar deadlift, barbell bench press. I think it was a front squat. Then it was a like a snatch high pull. And then it was a like weighted chin up or something. Um, and then maybe an overhead press too. But you basically take all the compound lifts. You do them in a circuit and you go five reps, take a break, four reps, take a break, three reps, take a break, two reps, take a break, one rep, take a break. Damn. So you're literally doing five, three, five, four, three, two, one. But round one, you just do fives, rest five minutes, fours, rest five minutes, three. Like it's a circuit, yeah. but you're doing big, heavy compound lifts um, and you do wave intensity. So like day one is more intense from a percentage of one rep max compared to day two. But I'm talking like you go all the way up to 95% versus going up to 90. Like you're high percentage, high, vol- high intensity the whole time. It's brutal. Um, but if you can get adequate sleep, if you don't have high stress in your life, it fucking works. Some of the best strength gains I've ever had were using that type, that exact circuit. And it's partially because your, your motor patterns and your skill acquisition of those movements, it's so important neurologically to just do the movements repetitively to get stronger because it's so neurological based. You're doing them five days a week you get really efficient and effective at doing those patterns. Um, and you're constantly training. It's low volume, but you're constantly training in that range. The The most difficult part is that it's so metabolically fatiguing because you're going from one to the next to the next to the next. You know, like think of when we do like sled pulls, farmer's carry, push up, like your heart's beating through the roof. It's like conditioning. That's basically what this is. Totally. So it's a good way to break through strength plateaus. It's a really good way to improve your ability to execute lifts while being fatigued, especially metabolically. Um, it's it's great practice stuff for like CrossFitters, to be honest with you, because um, they would switch up some of the movements. But if you think about like, one of the reasons why CrossFit's so dangerous for some people is because you'll be fatigued after doing the rower and climbing a rope and do all that stuff. And then they expect you to do a Olympic lift, like a, a snatch mm-hmm. or a box jump, something explosive that takes a lot of skill. It's like, I don't know if you're in the place to do this high injury risk, high skill movement pattern or exercise, right? And, but that's the sport. So if somebody needs to get good at that, this is a great way to do it. It's a safe way to do it. And then once you get really good at performing heavy load movements under high stress, high metabolic fatigue, high muscular fatigue, when lactic acid is accumulated, now you can start putting in more technical lifts like snatch and things like that. But um, for those of you who don't CrossFit, it's just a great way to build strength, get really good at the movement patterns, um, improve your conditioning. It's a great Honestly, it's, if you can recover from it, it's a good program fat loss wise um, as well because you will burn a ton of calories doing it. Um, and there's other ways to do it. So you don't even have to do it that way. You could go the same exact style thing, but like safer lifts and maybe you're going 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. And you stop there. You don't go below five reps and you're doing something a little bit safer maybe. I mean, you could even do this in a gym where you're doing like a Smith machine bench press, a leg press, a RDL, um, dumbbell seated military press, 
pull down, like all big compound movements that you can go heavy with, but they're machines and they're safe and you're not going to get hurt, but you do them in a circuit fashion, basically zero rest in between exercises. Uh, it's always full body. So you're hitting every muscle. Um, yeah, it's brutal. It's a really good way to, to shock new gains. Um, part of it is just, again, it's frequency, it's high intensity and it's different. Totally. Um, the last way I would suggest you could do this as well is if you wanted to do it, if you wanted to train, like if you were in a metabolic phase, so like Brad Schoenfeld recommends this sometimes too, where, um, you'll go through like a strength phase, a lower rep, like a whole block of it. And then you might go through a, um, accumulation phase. So maybe it's like you start with like threes, three to six rep range. Then you go to eight to 12 rep range. And then you go into a metabolic phase, which is going to be 15 to 30 rep range, like just super high reps. You're trying to accumulate a lot of metabolites, a lot of lactate, um, build your lactic threshold because that is tied to muscle growth and hypertrophy, especially now they're finding that a lot more. Um, but 20 rep sets are just brutal. So what you can do here is you can do timed sets. And I've done it this way too, where maybe we have sled push because that's a really good high threshold uh, quad exercise. But you could also do cyclist squats and then superset it with dumbbell bench press, superset it with inverted rows, curls, whatever you want. And instead of reps, you're doing 30 to 40 seconds. 30 to 40 seconds is that lactate threshold zone where it's going to burn. You're going to accumulate a lot of metabolites and lactate. You're going to be training that metabolic energy system. Um, you're going to crazy pump, but you do that circuit and you're just, every exercise is 30 seconds on 30 seconds off, which doesn't sound too crazy. But when you're doing dumbbell bench press for 30 seconds straight, you're on like rep 19. You're like, holy shit, the timer's still going. And then that 30 second break seems way shorter. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Cause your heart rate's through the roof yeah. and you can progress that too, where you go like, um, like 30, 30 and then 40, 20. Right. And then cycle back or I've done it. I think where it was like 20 on 40 off 30 on 30 off 40 on 20 off and then change exercise, go back down. Um, and it's crazy. When I was listing these things, I realized how many fucking programs and methods I've done over the last 12 years. Yeah. Like it's just crazy. Okay. Um, but that's a really fun one. String circuits. Totally. I like it. All right. We will move on to the next one. It's Omni contractions. So do you know what Omni means? I'm assuming like, s- no singular, <laughs> singular, it's like opposite. A, opposite. O- Omni, I think it's Greek, but it means many. Oh, many. So, for example, like I've we'll programmed uh, Omni Omni grip uh, pull-ups for people, and they'll have six sets, and it's max reps. Leave one in the tank. And, and it's like, what kind of chin-up bar, chin bar do you got? Do you Omni grip. Every, grip. every set, you change your grip. So, like, if there's, like, a neutral grip, do a neutral grip. Then do a supinated grip. Then do a mixed grip. Then do a pronated grip. Then do rings. Like, you just every set change it. Totally. Um that's not what this is, but like you can program Omni in different for different things. Um, I usually don't recommend doing that outside of chin up, to be honest with you, because then I think it's just too much variation. But in this case, Omni contractions is actually what I'm doing right now. Day one is eccentric. Day two is isometric. Day three is concentric. So you in in the past, uh, if anybody has ever heard of triphasic training, it's a really popular book, really popular method from a Olympic straight coach. I want to say. He's a strength coach for track athletes, but I'm, I could be a mistake. could be a different sport, but I can't remember his name. I think his last name is diets or deets or something like that. But, um, Cal deets, I think, um, could, but could be butchered in that, but it's, it's this exact thing, but you have blocks. So triphasic training would be like block one or month one is, uh, eccentric. So for a whole month, we're focusing on the eccentric portion of the lift more than anything and overloading that, emphasizing the stretch, so on and so forth. Month two is isometric. So we're doing a lot of holds, a lot of pauses, things like that. There's different ways you can do isometrics where you just 
like you saw us do, we we squat into the pin yep. and we just squat as hard as we can. You're just pushing an empty barbell into a pin as maximal force. It's just a hold for 40 seconds, um, which is a really fucking long time when you're pushing as hard as you can. Uh, or you can do like a dynamic, uh, they, they call it uh, dynamic isometric contractions, which is kind of a oxymoron because dynamic means movement. Isometric means not. So in this case, you would be, I would probably load the bar a little bit. I would squat into that pin, push as hard as I can for three seconds, drop down, mm. squat back up, push as hard as I can for three seconds, drop back down. So it's like a bunch of small mini contractions. Um, or you can do one long contraction. There's different ways to do it, but you have the isometric focus. And then month three or block three would be concentric. So we're doing speed work. We're doing, um, higher volumes like accumulation, but it's all about the concentric. So maybe we're doing more sled pulls. We're doing more exercises that um, kind of relieve us of pauses or slow negatives and eccentrics. And we're doing more focused on concentrics and explosive movements and pushing hard in the concentric, the positive portion of that range of motion. Totally. Um, Omni contraction from the way I'm talking about it. Again, I first learned from Christian Thibodeau um, and he kind of took this approach and changed it. And he's worked with a lot of Olympic athletes as well. Um, and I actually really, I think this method is much better. And the reason I think it's much better is not because there's any research to prove it, but there is research showing that daily undulated periodization outperforms block periodization in many regards uh, for strength and hypertrophy and speed and power and athletic performance and all that. And, and basically, I think the reason is because with a daily undulated periodization model, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, let's say, or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, whatever days, you might be doing the same exact movement, but you're doing it in different rep ranges. The reason this is effective is because if I do a full four to six week block just sticking in the three to six rep range, I'm going to get really good at that three to six rep range. And then when I move into the next block where I'm doing eight to 12 rep range, by the end of that eight to 12 rep range block, three to six, four to six weeks later, I have lost some of the adaptations and skills I gained from the uh, lower rep range, the strength building block, right? Because there is this muscle memory effect, this neurological memory effect of what you're doing. Um, same reason as if, if we were throwing a baseball every morning, we were playing catch, right? And then we didn't touch a baseball for six months and we picked it back up. It would take us a few weeks to be able to throw it as fast. If we were like actually tracking the speed, how far we could throw, not throwing our joint. Like I threw a, uh, it was the golf ball. Remember when we could throw a ball? Yeah. And I was like, dude, I think I just like fucking tore my, like I hurt my shoulder so (laughs) bad because I haven't thrown a ball. Yep. So, and I didn't really throw it that far either, yeah. but it hurt because I haven't done that movement in years. Yep. So like the point is, is if I was like, fuck, I'm going to throw a golf ball every day for the next few weeks, by the end of those few weeks, it wouldn't hurt. I'd be back to normal because I have that muscle memory, but it would take three weeks. Yep. So with a block approach, sometimes we're kind of taking a step back. We have to build it back up. And then we only have a couple of weeks left in the block to actually progress. Whereas daily undulated periodization, we do everything at the same time. It takes us a little bit longer to start getting ahead because we're, like doing everything at once. So we're getting pretty good at everything versus really good at one thing, but we never take steps back. So months later, we're way ahead because of it. And I think that's how this works as well. Instead of spending a whole block on eccentric training, I'm just spending Monday on eccentric training and Wednesday is isometric. And then Friday is concentric. Um, so in my case, for example, I'm doing squat bench and some kind of pull. So day one is a squat with a six to nine second eccentric, super slow. Um, Day two is a squat 
that's just isometric pushing into the bar. And day three is a concentric. So we're doing a form of drop set, which we're going to talk about in a bit. So I don't want to spoil that. And then the second exercise would be a bench. We do the same thing. And then the third exercise is either a chin up or a chest support row. And we do the same thing. Slow negative, uh, isometric hold, or uh, some kind of drop set, right? For a concentric to really focus on the concentric. Next block, we are still going to be doing all three. Instead of just focusing on one, we're still going to be doing all three. However, instead of doing a drop set to accumulate volume, we're doing speed, right? Uh, we're going heavier, higher intensity, faster reps, less reps. For the isometric, we're not sitting there for 40 seconds pushing against pin. We're doing those dynamic ones. So we're pushing for three seconds explosively, more times, less total time, but they're more intense. So again, just like an accumulation, intensification, realization, like my my total volume and time under tension is lowering into the next block, but the intensity is going up again. And we did that because dude, after week one of doing those slow eccentrics, nice, we were so sore. We haven't done that shit in so <laughs> yeah. long. So we wanted to accumulate volume, getting used to it with lighter loads and then increase the load, less duration, more explosiveness. But so the periodization, as you can see with a lot of these methods doesn't really change, but the methods inside the periodization does. So uh, the Omni contraction system is just a good way to essentially Get your body way better at each contraction. Because if you think about doing a regular squat, you have an eccentric portion. You, you should pause at the bottom for at least a brief second. Even if you just stop and go right back up, there's the amnerization phase, which is the transition from the negative to the positive. So if you want to get better at that phase, you got to implement isometrics. Because if you squat down slowly and then right as you try to ascend and go back up in the squat, your back rounds, you lose tension in your core. Well, it's that that portion of the lift, the amortization phase, where you go from negative to positive, eccentric to concentric, that you lose stability and strength. So how do we build in that range? We sit in that range and we build strength. So for us, we set up the pins in that range and we push as hard as we fucking can, creating tension. And I can see myself in the mirror, so I'm making sure my hips and knees are in a good, stable position. So now when I go to a regular squat, I'm going to be stronger in that place. Totally. Now I'm mastering each portion of the lift. So when I do just do a full range of motion, normal lift, I'm stronger, more stable, more explosive. I'm better at each and every portion of that. Um, and there's, there's other, like the isometric is really helpful. Neurologically speaking, the concentric is really helpful for, um, explosiveness, but also for hypertrophy, um, because that's like the creating a lot of tension. The negative is great for muscle damage, which can contribute to hypertrophy to an extent. Uh, but Eccentrics have been shown to be really helpful for tendon and ligament strength too. So we're kind of being able to hit all these buckets, right? So if you're at a strength plateau or you're not seeing gains, is it because your tendons and ligaments aren't, aren't uh, resilient enough? Is it because you can't handle enough muscle damage? Is it because you're not explosive enough? Is it because the in-between phase, the amortization phase of every lift sucks? You need to create more stability. Whatever, you, whatever you're facing, it's going to be in one of those ranges of the motion. And so with this specific system you can basically improve all those so that you can go back to your normal training and progressing it um it's normally for athletes because it's just really good at what i just said and yeah, creating awesome. resiliency on the field and whatever else you do you know to avoid injuries but um i think it's great i'm using it on a i'm using it on uh two clients one just because he can only train three days a week and it's just a good way to change things up um another because they're wwe athlete and they went through a surgery and we're just trying to strengthen everything again when you're out from surgery for a long time we want to strengthen these things especially Quickly. the tendons and ligaments and i'm using it on myself just because it's fun dope i want to change it up love it so cool uh and the next one will be uh what you kind of mentioned earlier is me uh, methodical drop sets yeah so methodical drop sets are what i'm doing on day three the concentric phase um 
we started with uh, 8060 and then uh, the next block we go 9070. So what that is is taking 80% of your one rep max, putting it on the bar. Normally you can do about six to seven, or I would say six to eight reps with that. Um, so you're going to do like three to five, um, or maybe it's four to six. What does it say there? 80% I think is four to six reps. 80% is, is three to five. Three to five reps, okay. So you go three to five reps, which obviously means you're leaving a few in the tank, but you peel 20%. So now I go from 80% of my one rep max to 60% of my one rep max, and that is a drop set. So ideally you have a partner for this. They peel the weight, you go right back to it, and you perform, you can do AMRAPs with this. Like if you're gonna do one, do an AMRAP. So for example, if you did three sets of five at 80% and you wanna do one drop set, you would just do it on the last set, peel the weight, max out. But that's very fatiguing. Mm. So if we're using this as a method to repeat, like I am, for example, if I'm doing four sets, I do this every set, which means I'm going to leave some reps in the tank. So I go three to five reps with 80%, peel 20% to be at 60%. And then from there, I'm typically doing five to 10 reps somewhere in there. Um, and again, you're leaving some reps in the tank and it's on purpose. The last set, I might go to failure, but we're doing a few things here. Now, the other one is the 90-70. So it's exact same concept. You're just starting with 90%. So you'll go one to three reps and then you're going peeling 20% to get to 70%. And you do, I think it was four three, to six, four to six. So a little bit rest, less reps. So it's essentially like, do you want more volume or more intensity, more hypertrophy, more strength? That's essentially your goal there. Um, like or if you're progressing over time, like I am, it's block one is accumulation, which means more volume, which means I'm going to go with the 80, 60, cause I can do more reps. And then uh, block two is more intensification. So I'm going to go with the 90, 70. So you can just progress it that way as well. Um, after three to four weeks of doing one, you go to the next, but what this does is, is the obvious you increase time under tension, you increase total volume, you increase uh, muscle damage. I mean, it's a, it's a drop set. It's a typical bodybuilding strategy that have been used for years to just honestly generate more volume, more of a pump, more muscle damage, simple. The thing that a lot of people don't realize when we get very specific, especially with the 90-70, because it's more, it's closer to your one rep max, is that when I do 90% for one to three reps with great form and explosive technique, even if you're not moving fast, depending on your standards of fast, you're, you're attempting to move the bar quickly, which is <coughs> expressing explosiveness from a neurological perspective. You'll still get the same benefits of a fast concentric. Yeah. You're going to recruit more motor units and uh, fast twitch muscle fibers. So if I do a, a, a long set, here's an example. If I do a set of 10, most people will say that's a slow twitch fiber set, right? What are you about to say? No, go ahead. Um, because you're in the higher rep range, right? Yeah. So slow twitch fibers are typically more endurance-based muscles. Fast twitch fibers are more explosive. So usually it's like one to five reps, fast twitch. You know, 10 plus is like endurance. That's more slow twitch. However, what they find in research is that you can build just as much muscle with either. Most muscle fibers are going to fire in both. So there's no really like way to isolate it. However, you have to go really close to failure to reach it. So you can actually recruit fast twitch fibers with high, high reps, 15, 20, 25, but you're not going to recruit those fibers until you're on rep 20. Mm. And then from 20 to 25, those last five reps, you're recruiting the fast switch fibers because you have to go so close to failure that you finally recruit those fast switch fibers. The problem with that, you got to do sets of 20 to 25, which can be dangerous on your joints, can just take fucking forever. You also increase metabolic fatigue your heart rate's to the roof where I can be explosive in the low rep range with heavy load and recruit fast switch fibers on rep one immediately recruit fast twitch fibers. Then I pull off load and I add volume on top of uh, the, the volume I did. So I add volume on top of it when I already have recruited fast switch fibers and more motor units. The motor units are going to help me execute the form properly. The fast switch fibers are going to be 
Fast retrievers in general are bigger, more dense, they're stronger. Typically, when you look at a jacked athlete, they have a lot of fast switch fibers. So we want to build those because it makes you look better. Totally. Um, and they're stronger, more resilient, so on and so forth. But if we want to be able to recruit more of those and then build more of those, this is a really good method. It's called a contrast set. I just usually don't call that because there's there's also like contrast sets. You can do a box jump, or I'm sorry, a, bo- uh, a box squat, racket, and then do an explosive jump. Mm. Body weight right afterwards, that would be a contrast set too. So, um, But it's a really good way to use drop sets in order to recruit and build more fast switch fibers. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is this, this kind of the same thing that you guys do on the leg press? Um, leg press or the chair you and CJ pulling it off. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and even like, uh, I had to do it by myself. That's on Friday. high reps that you guys were doing like 25. Reps. Yeah. So it's the same concept, still a drop set, but that is to just, uh, burn out the muscle at the end. And that's like an isolation exercise. So it's a leg extension at the very end of a leg day. So it's like, if this is our last thing. Let's just fucking destroy the muscle. Yeah. Like, take it to exhaustion without damaging the joints on Friday. We do it with bench squat and, uh, chest supported row and it was a little bit more difficult because uh shannon was helping her dad so i was squatting by myself so i had a solid 20 seconds in between because i would rack it peel away peel away clip get back under yep. squat still is it's still there but it's not as effective whereas like she was back for the t-bar row i rode rack she pulled it off for me and i keep going you know totally. um just because cj wasn't here yeah and you weren't here either so yeah. um but ideally you have a partner and they can peel it off right away totally so Copy. All right. We will go to the next one. Uh, we've got a couple more here. Uh, six is max frequency. Max frequency. Uh, a lot of what I've already talked about kind of applies here, especially the strength circuit. But all this means is that you're increasing the amount of times throughout the week that you are sending stress or stimulus to a muscle and or a movement pattern. So we can apply this in two different ways. Um, if we're applying it to strength, it's purely neurological. The more you do something, the better you get at it. So if somebody's like, I really want to learn Spanish, I would never say, hey, like practice once every couple of weeks. You'll probably get the hang of it in 10 years. Yeah. And nobody's going to do that because every time you're trying to play catch up, I would say, hey, do 10, 20 minutes a day until you master it. Every day. You know, every single day. You will get better at it. That's how all habits work. The same thing happens with strength because the more I do a bench press movement pattern, not going super heavy all the time, but if I do the movement every day, I'm going to get better at it. Now, once we start loading it, which is required for strength, you don't want to do it every day because you're going to hurt yourself. But this is where I would increase the frequency of a movement to three or four times a week. Um, And I might go bench press, barbell bench press two different days with uh, different loading patterns. So maybe one day is low rep, one day is high rep, or one day is speed, one day is hypertrophy or strength. Then I might do a dumbbell bench press. Same movement, different loading scheme, a little bit different stress. And then I might do a cable press. But either way, I'm doing this loaded pattern of pushing my hands forward in a horizontal pattern. I get really good at building strength in this movement. I will improve strength. From a hypertrophy perspective, you don't need the frequency as much because you want to actually exhaust a muscle every time you do it. And if, in my opinion, if you're training a muscle four times a week, you're probably not doing enough each session to really stimulate it maximally or create enough damage uh, and, and push the effort. I like two times a week, but there's some muscles that three times a week would be better. So if you're like, I don't care about my strength, but I want my delts to be bigger. Well, lateral raises are ones that you recover from super easily. Your nervous system is not going to be damaged from it. So I'm going to say, hey, we're going to overhead press once a week and then dumbbell military press once a week. So you still have those heavy overhead press twice a week. But I want you to do lateral raises four days a week. So on those days, but then you're going to also add lateral raises at the end of your leg day. So you're just bringing some more blood flow and some tension to your lateral raises, right? You're, it's an easy, safe, high-volume movement that's not going to cause a lot of damage. Totally. But either way, 
we're just increasing frequency. On one end, it's increasing frequency to improve your, your neurological ability to perform the movement pattern. And on the other end, it's literally just to create more volume towards the muscle. Certain muscles do better than others with that. Um, the muscles I get iffy about are um, quads and chest, really, because if you're doing too much chest, your flexors in your shoulders, your posture is going to get bad. It's really easy to hurt your bicep tendon in your shoulders. And then your quads, your hip flexors are just getting cranked on too much and your knees. So it's like, if you want to build like your lats, your traps, your biceps, your triceps, your uh, delts, your glutes, like those are all safe muscles to increase to three or four times a week really easily. But in general, increase your frequency, you're bound to break through a plateau. Love it. All right. Last but not least, it says create any and any dramatic change. Maximize novelty. Yep. Novelty just means a, a new stimulus. So an old saying in the strength world is the best program is the program you're not on. Do so, something you have never done. Bingo. So plain and simple. I mean, like the reason the best program is the program you've never done is a good saying in the strength world is because if you are, if you've done all the methods, if you tried all the things, if you've been so consistent over time, it's like, what haven't you done? Right. When, when someone comes to me and they're like, I've been trying to lose fat for so long. I've tried everything. Okay. Well, let's track macros. I just, I, you know, I don't really want to do that. Okay. Well, you haven't tried everything. And the answer is you haven't tried everything right in that case, but for training, it can be different. And if you've been doing CrossFit for six years and you really want to see dramatic changes in your strength or physique, start powerlifting, start, start bodybuilding. Like you will see a dramatic change very quickly because it's so dramatically different. You'll get newbie gains, um, to the same degree. Like I'm seeing some pretty crazy adaptations right now, dude. Like, um, I've dropped like three pounds in two weeks. Wow. And I look lean as fuck and I'm doing three days of lifting, which is way less, but it's because this is, this program is so different than I've ever done. I'm, I, I literally sleep deeper and I've had to sleep a little bit longer cause I'm so sore and tired. And from a metabolic perspective, it's just crushing me. Like yeah. some of the concentric days, my heart rate's through the roof. I have the, I'm actually doing two days of conditioning and I haven't been doing conditioning and the conditioning is like strongman shit, a lot of sleds and carries and it's just different. Totally. So I change it up so dramatically that my body's kind of getting shocked. I'm not building a lot of muscle, but I guarantee I'm going to get strong super quick. And my body was burning a lot of calories. I will preface with this. That's going to taper off. I'm not going to just keep getting shredded. Like usually when you see a big change like this, especially as an advanced lifter, your calorie expenditure goes through the roof for the first couple of weeks and then it comes back down. Um, it's not magic. It's just so different that your body's trying to catch up and then it does and it adapts and then it kind of evens out. But, um, same thing. I haven't done isometrics in years. I haven't actually done this specific program since I was at the old vigor, which would have been anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Which would have been, and we did this exact, literally exact program with slightly different movement patterns, but that would have been eight years ago. So you take an eight year break from very specific training. Like if somebody's like, you've never done an eccentric. Well, of course I've slowed down, but nine fucking seconds. Yeah. You know, like I read the paper. I was like, yeah, six, nine seconds. That's cool. And then you actually start counting when you're doing a squat. Um, Dude, that is so long. When you got 200 pounds in your back and you're just going one, two, two, three, four. <laughs> it just takes so long. And then I watched the video of the first day we did it. And I was like, damn, dude, I, that's not, I timed, I looked at the timer. I was like, damn, I was going too fast. Yeah. How fucking slow do you need to go? And then like the 40 seconds is just stupid. So you're just like halfway and you're like, what? Yeah. Your knees are fucking quivering. But again, it's, it's like, it's so different. So, um, change it up. Like if you, if you, this is like, I put this last because there's not really anything 
there's no direct answer. It's just do something different. And it's, I think this is, this is your, uh, what is it called when it's your last option, your final Hail Mary or whatever. Like this is your, your, you know, last resort, last resort. There you go. That's what I was looking for. Um, your last resort when you've tried it all, you're like, fuck yeah, I cannot bust through these plateaus. Like do something dramatically different. And I promise you, you will break through that. And the other thing too, is even if that dramatic change doesn't immediately increase your gains, do it long enough that you resensitize yourself to what you're doing before. And then when you come back to what you're doing before, that will work better too. And there's research to actually prove that too. So, um, yeah, that was number seven, guys. Uh, that was a really, really good one. Um, I'm glad I didn't say this is going to be a short podcast because it was a full, full length. Um, but uh, that was a dope topic. I hope you guys got a lot out of that. I hope you guys use some of these principles. Again, check there's out some the blogs. blogs. Yeah, there's some blogs that I dive into this stuff. There's also a blog called 22 Rep Schemes. I think it's 22 or it's 21 or 23 or something like that. 20-something Rep Schemes to Shock New Gains. It's a really old blog I did, but there's a ton of these different ones, and there's way more because there's 20-something. Um, that's on the blog too, so go check that out. If you want individualized coaching, training, nutrition, all that kind of stuff, we have the app. We have our online coaching. All can be found at tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash online-coaching. Uh, of course, check out firstform.com slash tailored coaching method. Um, pretty cool. I've been going back and forth with Damien because they're sending some stuff for the, the attendees to the event. And uh, he's been in Peru uh, hiking and doing this big charity yep. thing for them. It's just crazy, This some of the stuff they do. Uh, but go check them out. And then last but not least, giantlifting.com. Use the coupon code TCM10. You can save 10% on your order. We're just going to cut off a lot of shipping. Uh, and they have some of the best equipment. So we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. And we'll catch you next time. 